Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide. Welcome to Global Bitcoin Fest and Andorra. This week, we are going to listen to a group of Andorran Bitcoiners share about Andorra. Super interesting. Global Bitcoin Fest is a group of plebs. We started this initiative back when Nayib Bukele announced the Bitcoin law for El Salvador. We started having small spaces in Spanish Latin America, giving away free sats. We started with El Salvador, we did Mexico, Cuba, Venezuela. And then one day, a guy in the chat group that we created to do the free sats giveaway suggested we do a 24-hour Twitter space to celebrate the adoption of Bitcoin uh, in El Salvador on the 7th of September. And uh, we only had six, seven days to organize it was super hectic, and it turned out to be a really great event where we had Bitcoin communities from all over the world organize one-hour sessions. 18 countries participated, and uh, it was uh, super inspiring to listen to all these communities. So we decided, let's do it one space a week, and uh, let's continue every week. And uh, with that, I am Lucas. I am the uh, moderator today from Global Bitcoin Fest, one of this group of plebs. I started with uh, uh, Bitcoin really uh, fairly recently. I became a maxi. I discovered Bitcoin in 2013. And uh, it took me a really long time to get it. I ended up shitcoining the first time I found it in 2013. I bought Feathercoin and Litecoin. I ended up shitcoining in uh, 17. Second time I dove into it. And only once I sold my company, Scribe.com, in 2020, when I had to allocate uh, the cash somewhere, I really took the time and effort to research this properly. And... Uh, I have uh, I became much more maxi uh, during the spring in 2021, hanging in spaces, and uh, today I this is my contribution to Bitcoin, doing weekly spaces. I have a little startup that is in stealth mode. Nobody knows what I do except that it's about improving the user experience of email, and um, I'm also working with a tech startup as the chairman, um, helping them accelerate the growth. But today, I'm only interested in Bitcoin and Andorra. And with that, I'll hand over to Paul. Paul, do you want to introduce yourself, please? Sure, man. Thanks. Um, so I'm a tech entrepreneur, one could say. I've been uh, starting small businesses for 10 years now. And now my uh, my main occupation is uh, 
that I, I manage uh, uh, an agency I co-founded that builds uh, online stores for the fashion and luxury uh, segment of the of the market for high-end fashion brands and, and luxury brands. And um, I, I've been I've been living in Paris for like ten years before moving to Andorra. When COVID uh, kicked out, uh, I realized that uh, well we had the lockdown, was stuck at home, and was basically doing the same job and same things that I could do from like the office when I was uh, when I was going there. So I decided that uh, it was proof that uh, that it could work, that the company could thrive, even in by working like at a distance with the the other members of the of the team. And that's when I started uh, researching a new location as to where I would move in order to improve my quality of uh, quality of life, which uh, in Paris was uh, good, but uh, could be better since uh, like the the rent were very high, the, the city's pretty dirty and everything. And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I want, I want to get some space and like uh, have some, um, I, w- I was tired of living in a small apartment and having the bathroom three meters away from the living room. It, it was, it was a pain in the ass for me. So that's when I researched all the countries I could go to, um, that could, uh, allow me to have the quality of life I wanted to have, uh, a better uh, way of organizing society and therefore lower taxes. So I looked at uh, all the countries that were available to me, and that's how I then decided to to move to Andorra uh, about uh, half a year half a year ago. And uh, the process uh, took me six months uh, in uh, in all to go, and then I've been there for six months roughly. That's my story. Thank you, Paul, and a little bit about. Um your bitcoin um interest when did that start and yeah recent or? um started in 2016 i believe uh and like uh, any uh, stupid uh, stupid uh, young guy in paris uh, i i tried to buy weed online uh, and uh, that's why i put my fucking hands in this thing and at first i didn't understand it I first heard about it um, in 2011 or 2012 when I was uh, roughly at the time when I was graduating and I was in a in a business school uh, that I had to take a huge loan for, uh, peak fiat uh, kind of shit. And uh, I discovered Bitcoin uh, and I, I remember telling my friend, oh, look at those stupid guys trying to think they can circumvent the Fed, they can do uh, their own thing online, they are so stupid. And um, they're gonna waste their money, and that's how I first heard about it. Discarded it, and then started used it for the first time for something stupid at the time, uh, which was getting like a three grams of weed, like a nothing for like a, what would be now a shit ton of money uh, <laughs> that literally went in smoke. And that's how I, I got in touch with Bitcoin, and then uh, it started becoming more serious for me, and I. I I really dig into it. I spent like probably two, two, three hours at least a day on Bitcoin Twitter and uh, fell big in the rabbit hole. So that's uh, that's my Bitcoin story. Thanks, Paul. Um, Alberto. Yep. Hello, guys. Yeah, so should I go for the intro and Bitcoin stuff? Yes, please. 
Yeah, so I I moved around a lot because of uh, of work. I was working for for startups for the past uh, few years, and uh, so I worked in uh, London, Canada, Malta, Bali, Portugal. So when I was in Portugal before from moving here to Andorra, I I'm originally from Spain, so I I wanted to be close to home, um, home in Spain, of course. And uh, I didn't want to be in Spain because uh, the Spain taxes and all that, I, I wasn't happy with the way this was working out. So uh, when I was in Portugal, I was uh, doing some research to find a place to, to go to. I didn't want to stay in Portugal any longer. Portugal is a fine country, but uh, I didn't pretty much enjoy the people. It's curious because the culture in Spain and Portugal, even though they're so close, is completely different. Um, so I wanted to be near to Spain, but... Um, not in Portugal, and of course not paying uh, crazy, stupid taxes. So, so I did some research again. I had some friends. Well, I have some friends in in Barcelona, which is um, two hours and a half from Andorra. That's for those. That's for for you to you know locate it in the map more or less. And um, and since I had friends there, I had friends in Madrid, and my family was in Spain. I was like, okay, let's uh, let's try Andorra. And uh, yeah, I tried Andorra one year ago, more or less. Yeah, I moved here almost almost a year ago. And uh, yeah, I've been here ever since. In uh, professionally, in uh, 2018, I launched a podcast um, when I was in Canada. When I was in, when I was there, that was my first. Um, that was the first time I got in touch with uh, with crypto and Bitcoin, in particular, more crypto than Bitcoin, because I was uh, working for a company that was um, helping ICOs. So, I mean, you probably remember ICOs, and um, yeah, I was working with this consultancy company that was helping companies do do ICOs because I come from from a finance background, so doing the numbers and all that is uh, is easy for me. So, so yeah, I got into into ICOs and all that in 2016, and uh, that was my first. Uh, no, sorry, 2018. That was my first um, uh, uh, let's say interaction with uh, with uh, crypto. And by the end of the year, when uh, ICOs ended. I was uh, shocked, you know, by the amount of city uh, city um, uh, content that was in Spanish about uh, Bitcoin. So I decided to launch my my own podcast. So I got a podcast since since then called Un Podcast sobre Bitcoin, which translates to a podcast about Bitcoin. And yeah, it's been running for the past uh, four years. It's in Spanish, and um, and yeah, that's pretty much uh, what I do now. I do live streams. I do the podcast, and I do it all from from here from from andorra um so yeah i've been bitcoining more or less since since 2016 completely maxi since 2018 or 2019 and um yeah ever more maxi every day that passes so so yeah that's pretty much uh, about me exciting thanks alberto uh remnant would you want to introduce yourself please yeah so um uh, where do I start? So I used to live in North America for the past 11 years. And um, I used to live one block away. I could uh, almost see it from my window uh, from a Bitcoin embassy uh, that was run by uh, someone that's now uh, sort of a, a little bit uh, known in the Bitcoin space. And uh, But I didn't know at the time. So I think it was in 2014 that I stopped at this Bitcoin embassy and I wanted to buy uh, $2,000 worth of Bitcoin and they told me it has to be put on a paper wallet 
And so I said, let me think about it. And uh, I never, uh, you know, I was probably a little bit more conservative about risk at the time. So I didn't buy any Bitcoin to put on a paper wallet. Uh, and then it's in 2016 that I bought my first Bitcoin at uh, an ATM in a convenience store, non-KYC. Uh, I put them on a copay wallet on my laptop um, and I kept them. And I think I bought more in the summer of 2017. And um, and it went up and, I, you know, I started. I saw, you know, it was sort of, uh, it was appreciating and uh, I I bought a little bit of a SRM, uh, a little bit of Monero and a little bit of Litecoin, but uh, probably, you know, 80% of what I had was in Bitcoin and I had an intuition without really knowing why that Bitcoin was the real shit and I was sort of touching the others because I thought, you know, maybe they are going to be better than Bitcoin at some point. And there were, there was this uh, in 2017 you know, the um, the block size uh, debate. And I could see toward the end of 2017, you know, like I think every everybody who's, who's uh, buying Bitcoin for the first time, we, we want to know how do we get out of Bitcoin? You know, how do we spend our Bitcoin or get back to fiat if we need? And so, you know, when I started looking at how to go back to fiat, there was a lot of friction to go back to fiat at the time. And so I thought, okay, you know, uh i think and the fees were getting really high and so i thought okay i gotta get out of here because something's gonna happen and i think i sold my bitcoin and i went 100 percent back in fiat so no bitcoin left no shitcoin left uh probably was on the 12th of december and and it crashed on the 17th if i'm correct or on the 18th or something but when i sold all of my bitcoin i don't know there was you know something an intuition inside me and i said this thing is going to replace the fiat system when it collapses because I've, you know, I've, I came to entirely distrust the fiat system in 20, in 2008 during the, the financial crisis where I, you know, I started digging into how does it work, money printing, the credit system. I remember watching, uh, um, sort of a, a course online at the time, which was the crash course I was working in consulting in a big four company. And, uh, and so to me, you know, it was make, was not making any sense. I was sort of a conspiracy theorist as well, where, you know, nine 11 was not making sense to me either. And I thought it was, you know, a lot of bullshit. And, uh, the, 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 the official narrative was that as reliable, probably less reliable than what, you know, the counter narrative that I was seeing uh, online. And so, you know, I was, I had a lot of distrust, uh and um and i was uh, i was not trusting the system and i kept saying you know during the year 2010s that uh you know the next big financial crisis is going to be huge and 2008 is going to be anecdotal next to what's going to come and so yeah when i sold my bitcoin back in and then you know in 2018 i bought some after it crashed i bought some back and then I never sold some. I bought a little bit of SRM again, a little bit of a Monero, a little bit of Litecoin. And I had a startup also where uh, in an industry that's really under, uh, really not well served and, and completely banned from the traditional financial systems and banking system. So I couldn't process payments uh, and I couldn't really monetize. So there was a lot of friction. So, uh, you know, from that uh, point of view as well, I went into Bitcoin. 
but I looked at the other, you know, shit coins for, you know, uh, privacy questions, etc. And um, and fast forward to two, but you know, the bulk of what I had was in Bitcoin. Fast forward to two, uh, 2020, uh, COVID hit, and uh, to me it was really clear. Um, what would happen, you know, with the narrative? Because at the uh, at the beginning, you know, I, I I bought into the narrative, and in June 2020, I you know I, I traveled, uh, and it started, you know, to look like really a huge uh, uh, scam, and so it was a little bit like in 2008 where I said, okay, you know, the the system is really rigged, and uh, and so you know I basically you know complete distrust in the system started connecting with some people who were sort of a uh, um, radicals a little bit like i was uh in the ecosystem where i was in canada and uh and i emailed uh, i remember the time i messaged someone you know a friend maybe someone you know uh, that a friend of paul as well thibault uh, Maréchal, and uh who wrote some articles for Bitcoin Magazine, who's the founder of Dux Reserve, who worked for Knox Custody as well, and a real Bitcoiner. And I started asking him, you know, some questions about, you know, crypto and blockchain. And I remember, you know, in a in a pretty um, uh, uh, toxic way, and uh, but uh, he, he told me, I don't have time to speak about crypto and, uh, and uh, blockchain. Uh, go read those two books, and then we talk. And uh, and I'm the, that kind of guy too. So really, you know, I I smiled at my screen, and I said, "Oh, this guy, you know, I think uh, I think I like this guy." And so I went reading those two books. And the first one I started with uh, the sovereign individual, and it blew my mind. And uh, it's really, I mean, it's yeah, it really blew my mind, and uh, it changed a lot of uh, you know the perspective that I had on the world and the way it works, etc. And then I read the other book, which is the Bitcoin Standard, obviously. And that's, you know, when it became really obvious. That intuition that I had that Bitcoin was the real shit was crystallized with the, that theory, I'd say, in those two books, where suddenly I knew why Bitcoin was superior and the rest was distraction. And so that's where I guess, you know, in 2020, to be honest with you, you know, I bought my first Bitcoin in 2016, but I became a, a Bitcoiner, I think. And I think there is a there is a difference between owning Bitcoin, holding Bitcoin, and uh, and being a Bitcoiner. I became really a Bitcoiner, I think, in 2020. And uh, it became obvious to me that Bitcoin was really uh, uh, sort of a bazooka and a, a, a pillar to the world I want to see and, and an important uh, tool to tear down uh, the world I no longer want to see for my family and um, and everything we agree on. So I'm not going to go into the details of, you know, the peak fiat uh, bullshit. And so, yeah, here I am. And uh, at the same time, so I was, you know, uh, as I said, I was living in Canada. Uh, I had all my life there. Uh, great life, beautiful life. Was really happy. And uh, suddenly started to turn really ugly, politically speaking. And people uh, also in the, the community around me became really brainwashed and it was it was a bit scary but i knew when i was there you know when i when i moved there 11 years ago uh, i said something i remember to my wife i said you know this place is great we're gonna have an easy life everything is easier here and there is abundance but these people is ripe for tyranny and we have to be we have to be uh, 
uh, careful. I never imagined that the conditions would be uh, met for tyranny to emerge in Canada, but it happened. And uh, that's where in um, late spring of 2021, I started telling my wife that uh, I think we're going to have to consider moving as a plan B. I don't want to make that move. Uh, we have a beautiful life here, but I think we're going to have to plan, uh, you know, escaping Canada because it's getting really scary. It's getting really concerning. And so we looked at many countries, uh, including Panama, including Mexico, where I spent some time was, uh, when I was studying. And uh, I came across Andorra a little bit uh, randomly, where a friend of mine who was in Europe told me, yeah, you know, there's a bunch of Bitcoiners who go there. And uh, and so I started, you know, investigating in Andorra. I don't think it's perfect, but uh, out of uh, my analysis, it seemed to be the best trade-off. And, um, and yeah, uh, here we are. I think, you know, Andorra has a... Nowhere is going to be perfect, but I think, you know, if you are a Bitcoiner and you're a sovereign individual and you believe in the balkanization of the world, and you don't want to be in a jurisdiction that's part of a big conglomerate like uh, the European Union, um, and that is a more independent jurisdiction, small jurisdiction, lean government. I think uh, Andorra is a, is a looks, at least uh, on paper, like a great place. And, uh, and yeah, that's where we are. And uh, so I hope, you know, we will be able at some point to sort of... Uh, influence uh, the Andorran government to become more of a Bitcoin uh, nation um, and follow, you know, Salvadorize Andorra, if I may say. So a little bit of a long intro, but uh, that's where I'm Thank where I'm you. From. And uh, actually, um, we did a space with the Canadian Bitcoin community. Uh, Jaime, that's listening now, he is uh, Canadian. El Salvadorian, and he he's also a Global Bitcoin Fest, and he put together, uh, yeah, it was amazing. We got everybody in the room, felt like uh, Samson Mo, Greg Foss, MVK, and the Tahini restaurants. It was like everybody there, and it was just just when they were fundraising for um, for the trucker convoy using Bitcoin. <laughs> the only funds that actually ended up being useful after those fundraisers. And, uh, yeah. Um, hearing, hearing what people were saying also on the ground was terrifying. It was really, uh, scary to, to hear what, what was happening in Canada. We escaped two days before we couldn't escape. And I know people who are locked, locked up in Canada. So yeah, it's really fucked up there. Yeah. Okay, um, so we have three immigrants to Andorra actually in the space, and uh, it happens sometimes that some communities are more, at least the outspoken part of the community are m more foreigners. Uh, I spent the past two years in Vietnam, and in Vietnam uh, there is a bunch of Bitcoiners that are Vietnamese, but Vietnamese are very secretive. They don't share anything. So the uh, more outspoken Bitcoin community is mostly expats in Vietnam. So with that, should we get started with a little bit about Andorra and uh, about, you know, how, how does it work in Andorra? What attracted you to Andorra? Um, 
what is the discrepancy between the story and reality once you hit the ground. Um, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are curious. Also, it does in many ways, I guess, uh, vibe with the Bitcoin ethos. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But you guys were attracted to Andorra. You've all said that um, for for these reasons. So uh, who would like to start? Uh, Paul, do you want to go first or Alberto? or Yeah, I can go. Um, so... Basically, Andorra, you were talking about the part of uh, immigrants versus uh, natives. Uh, just to give uh, everyone in the space a, a clearer picture of what Andorra is, Andorra has approximately 80,000 people uh, living in the country. So it's a small country between France and Spain uh, in the mountains. It's surrounded by uh, mountains. It's been independence in the years 13-something. Uh, I should know that, but I got off my mind anyway. Um, and, um, and basically, the country was uh, known for a long time as uh, being a, a tax haven, uh, where there, like uh, income tax was uh, implemented less than 10 years ago in the, in the country. Did not exist uh, before. So before it used to be considered a tax haven. Now it's just a low tax country, but it's uh, uh, respecting all the regulations uh, internationally about uh, like not not doing. It's not Cayman Island or whatever. It's just uh, low taxes, uh, smaller government. And um, about the immigrant uh, thing is the the funny thing is that there are sixty thousand immigrants in Andorra and only twenty thousand local endurance so they are a minority inside their own uh, inside their own country um but uh, so it's it's a uh, it's a lot of uh, expat that, that that came here for uh having a better future for themselves or or their family uh and uh, basically the so the, the the taxes are often one of the reasons that people put first when they go there but uh I also really enjoyed the fact that it was uh, it had all the features of a modern uh, city. Like uh, I, I come from Paris, but I've lived also in uh, other capitals of the of the world, and um, it has everything that you may want. Like uh, I don't know if you want a cereal, like big fat thing, like a cereal bar where you can have like a loony whatever kind of American cereals. You you can have that, but uh, it's also so it has everything that mo the modern world offers. But uh, if you take your car or you just walk for 10 minutes, you're inside nature. And uh, nature is well having a good mix between modernity and nature, an independent country that uses the euro but is outside of the EU, that has low taxes, that is pro-business, where the government uh, doesn't spend a shit ton of money to on, on useless things, uh, that has a pretty balanced uh, uh, budget, uh, a, a well-run country where the streets are clean, there's no criminality. Uh, that's, that's what drove me to, to this country. So that's, uh, that's why I chose this, uh, this country to live in. I can, I can speak out a bit more about the, the culture here. Because, so coming, coming from Spain, um, yeah, I see some um, similarities, as I said before, with the people in Andorra and people in Spain, of course. Well, I say, of course, but as I said before, 
uh, Portuguese people are very close to, to to Spain, but they don't share the same uh, the same way of life. Um, in in Andorra, people are people from the mountain, so they they like to be you know this feeling of independence. You probably have heard you know about the the Catalans and their desire you know to be to become independent. In in Andorra, you can feel this. Um, but in a way that you know, it's not like they want to be independent. It's that they just want to remain independent. They, they, you know, they have a great pride in their in their country and their way of uh, of life. It's difficult to find um, Bitcoiners here, well, because well, as Paul said, there are only twenty thousand uh, locals, and um, because they are here from the mountain, they've been not isolated, but well, pretty much isolated because uh, Andorra only became a thing, so to speak like 15 years ago uh even even five years ago buying a house in here was super uh cheap uh whereas now you know it's becoming um much more expensive because well i guess the word spreading is uh, i guess you are a culprit here also <laughs> with these kinds of spaces but uh yeah so these people, the people here are pretty conservative and uh they they don't have that uh let's say cosmopolitan uh, or open culture that um, could be could make them more open to you know novelties like for instance bitcoin so so yeah you can you can see you can see that in in the people you can you can also see i mean this is not with uh, i know this this word may sound a bit bad but it's it's just a cultural thing in in catalonia and in um, in andorra people are more stingy uh with their with their money so they it's it's not uncommon to see locals who have probably am- amassed uh, fortunes still you know driving very cheap cars or you know uh, wearing fairly normal cold clothes so they are not in the in the show business so to speak so they they just become affluent because of their situation and because uh, well they are very good uh, um in uh, in in terms of commerce so like like the catalans more or less and uh, so they, they, they've grown rich, and they but they, they don't they don't uh, like to you know to show to show off. So that's that's a little bit about you know the culture here. But as as Paul said, you know you can you can also find well pretty much all kinds of people because it it's uh, well there's there's a lot of uh, foreigners that expats you know that, that are living here. But uh, yes, as as Paul said, you can find the city and you can find the mountain um, and. Um, the, I guess the people that are drawn here are people who is more conservative because they they want to be you know kind of like left alone. So it's pretty. I mean, they they, they got the Bitcoin mindset already, I guess, but they don't they don't they don't know Bitcoin yet. So so yeah, that's a little bit more about the culture. I guess we can probably expand upon this. Uh, well, on this uh, as we as we move along. I was about to say uh, they are Bitcoiners, but they don't know it yet, and. Uh... But um, yeah, I mean, for me, why uh, why uh, Andorra? It's a little bit. Uh, I mean, the feeling is, you know, when we uh, we've, we were living in a in a city, and uh, we've always been, you know, city people and urban people, uh, and uh, but not the kind of, you know, not. A, I mean, I like going to New York City, uh, but uh, I wouldn't live there. So more of the Nordic type of cities, right, where you have greenery where you have you know space etc and uh so i used to like that but i became convinced of something and i don't know if you know about uh, shoshana zuboff who's a professor at harvard 
uh, and she wrote a book called Surveillance Capitalism. I think cities, you know, with that smart city bullshit are going to become, you know, Orwellian uh, places to live. There's going to be a lot of surveillance everywhere and you're going to be tracked and traced everywhere all the time. And so, you know, as soon as you sort of admit that, became obvious, you know, for my wife and I to say, hey, I think, you know, we need to consider going to the countryside where we're going to have more freedom. And then, you know, if you consider going to the countryside, uh, I mean, there are plenty of options, right? So you could say stay in the countryside in a different province in Canada. You could say, you know, we go to the U.S., something we looked at, we could have done that as well. Always been very intimidated by the American, the federal government in the U.S., very powerful government, and they can break you. And even people who are not in the U.S. are afraid of the federal government. So, uh, you know, there's that. And then when you look at other countries like, you know, Panama, Mexico, Central American countries, there's the security uh, issue. Not really safe when you're a gringo. It's not safe. And you're going to be spotted as a gringo at some point. And so you're a target. And um, and so, yeah, Andorra is, is really safe and is rural at the same time. Like Paul said, I think there's everything. And even if there's not everything you want and you want to have, you know, that, uh, you know, urban feeling of a big city, you drive two hours, you go to Barcelona or you go to, a, you know, a French uh, city and uh and you you have it and uh so no it seems to be a uh, really uh, really cool and and the fact that yeah people seem to be more conservative as well in that uh walk uh, i mean i mean especially in canada there's uh so much walkism and uh personally i'm getting i'm getting tired of it uh, i think you know i i I never imagined I would uh, I would say that one day, but uh, I mean, it's like, you know, at some point now, I've, I've always been a progressive person, but it seems now, you know, with everything we've been through during the past couple of years that uh, it seems there is a time for pro- progress, being progressive and a time for being conservative, I guess, where, you know, when we go too far, too quick in, you know, some type of crazy stuff, uh maybe you know being somewhere where it's a little bit more conservative is a is a good thing actually and so yeah this you know type of uh, um, um, connection to more traditions and everything alberto described it's music to my ears i'm not familiar enough with the uh, catalan culture and the Andorran culture but uh that's my perception from the outside and uh, yeah it's music to my ears uh i think you know it's it's a time for where we are in our lives uh, to be in that kind of environment, I guess. I mean, and and it's a very personal thing, right? Not everybody's going to agree, but uh, yeah. And I like also that thing because I'm very much like that, that uh, not showing off. Uh, in North America, there's a lot of show off. And at some point, you know, it's a little bit of, uh, it's a little bit, uh, it's too much. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, a little bit of a, uh, yeah, humility and uh, and being you know frugal lifestyle, regardless of how much you have. I th- I think I like that. So yeah, I like what I hear, Alberto. When I was looking for pictures for my Andorra profile when we were preparing for the space, I saw a lot of ski slope pictures. It almost looked like the the whole city is enveloped by uh, ski slopes. Is that is that true? 
Well, that's the way it looks, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it is. And and uh, so you know, again, spent a lot of time in Canada, and uh, I'm a, you know big outdoor guy. You know, we love you know hiking, s- snowboarding. I do you know downhill mountain biking as well. And uh, you know, I could do that in the city where I was living. I would take my uh, my bike, and I would go you know downhill uh, the mountain in the city. And uh, I even, you know, ventured snowboarding uh, in the city, even though it was uh, not allowed. Uh, and uh, but you know, still, when you wanna, when you wanna go, you know, when you wanna go camping or hiking or do serious outdoor stuff in Canada, you drive, and you drive minimum two hours, and sometimes you drive a lot more than that. And what's pretty, uh, pretty cool, you know, when I started doing my homework about Andorra is. Uh, it's downstairs right i mean you <laughs> you get out of the house and uh and uh and you have charlist uh basically in in the village right not in andorra uh, not in the capital not in the andorra la Viera, but uh, in uh, in la masana or if you live in arinsal i mean you you get out and uh with your bike or with your snowboard and uh, you're on the slopes a few minutes later so on the trails so it's pretty pretty cool and yeah the country is the country is smaller than uh than the biggest cities in canada itself but uh there's a lot of uh there's a lot of room you know for doing outdoors and uh you know i've not even explored anything but uh it looks like uh, you can do a lot and when you have explored everything in andorra you can still go you know to the neighboring countries so it seems pretty Pretty cool. I mean, in terms of how you can enjoy outdoor without spending so much as w- what do you spend in Canada in terms of time and uh, gasoline. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty cool. And uh, there's and I, uh, someone mentioned the tax thing, and to me it was really cherry on the cake. But that was not the first uh, uh, the, the first uh, criteria. But obviously, you know, when, if you like I said, you know, if you're influenced by the sovereign individual and and you and you despise statists and you despise you know big government and you see them as as a mob as a mafia, you know, stealing uh, your hard work. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of obvious that you don't want to live in a country where you spend fifty percent on tax, right? And there are not too many places where they take only ten percent of what you of the value you you make. I mean, even in the states, uh, you know, you look at the, the best uh, states are what Texas and Florida, and you pay more than that because even if in Texas you don't have any corporate income tax or income tax, the federal government is going to take from you anyway. So, and Florida has seven percent sales tax, Andorra has four point five percent. Yeah, it's uh, so that the taxes are are interesting, but so. Since it's a very small country, you get to meet well, our, I don't know, like uh, footballers, you know, like ex ex football players from from Spain or or from France that uh, moved here. And of course, I mean, the taxes are interesting to them. But what's what's really interesting is uh, you know the security because these guys, well, they they've amassed a, a fortune, you know, playing playing football, and now they are. They're just going to well, basically enjoy life, raise their children, and want to chill and be safe. And um, I don't know if you are. Well, I I like football, like every Spanish guy, and um, it's it's not uncommon. Pretty much happens every month that um, 
footballer houses are assaulted in in Spain. Um, usually, so no no violence. Usually, they 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 go all, they go away to play, and then you know um, burglars come into their houses and you know try to get whatever they can. And um, so these footballers come here to to Andorra just to just to be safe and to be left alone. And um, yeah, all, all the experiences that I've heard from from them is uh, yeah, that they moved here. Yes, of course, the ta- the taxes were interesting, but mostly it was about you know feeling feeling safe, being secure, and also uh, be able to raise your children with uh, with good education. That's also an important part because yeah, what what uh, Alan was saying before uh, on. On what I was saying about con- con- conservatism, it's uh, you, you, you can you can feel that in, in schools, of course. You know, uh, there's no there's not no not so much wokeism as uh, you can find in other countries. Uh, Spain also going very very badly on this, and uh, the schools in Spain are are being well. The school system is pretty fucked up now. They are attacking well basically com- converting everything into into wokeism like that, that they they want to teach math with a, a social um i don't know flair <laughs> math like what the fuck <laughs> but this doesn't happen here so so yeah there's a there's a good school system they they have schools like english schools uh, french schools uh spanish schools so you can you can you know take your children to you know to learn English. Uh, so they, they can learn English in school. They can uh, learn French in school. Um, so if you're French and you come here, you can take them to a French school. They're gonna be uh, pretty much like living in in Paris. Or if you if you are a foreigner from any other where, uh, any other place, maybe you can take them to the, to the British school. All of them are pretty good. I I don't have children myself yet, <laughs> hoping for that. But uh, but yeah, the, the the school system here seems to be uh, at least for from what I'm hearing, pretty pretty good, and you know, um, helping with those values. One question that I'm wondering when you guys are talking about uh, Andorra being a bit uh, more to the conservative side, um, I'm I'm thinking about uh, Liechtenstein, so. Uh, Liechtenstein is has a prince, I guess. Uh, it's a small country. Um, they seem to be quite conservative. I think the prince is libertarian. Um, it, is there similarities? Because, um, because to my understanding, there's there is a prince as well in in Andorra. Uh, yeah, Paul, could you could you share a bit more about that? Yeah. So. Uh, to give you guys background on the history of the country, in the uh, ter- the years thirteen something, one thousand three hundred uh, something, uh, Prince uh, Ch- Charlemagne Carlemani, uh, I don't know how you say that in uh, in English, uh, big uh, king, whatever. Uh, he was fighting the Arabs uh, who were trying to invade uh, Europe, and the Andorran people they fought alongside him. So they went out of their mountains and they helped him win uh, the, the battle and uh, stop the, the invasion at the time. And in exchange for that, he gave them independence. He told them, okay, you helped me win this. You didn't have to come. So basically you will have your own territory for yourself. And um, Andorra is a unique system in the, in the world, which is called a co-principality which means that there are two princes. Uh, one is an uh, ecclesiastic, someone from the church, uh, and is a bishop 
from a, a town in, in Spain called uh, La Ciudad Urgel. Um, so it's a bishop, that's the co-prince. And then you have the, you had the, the local uh, king in France uh, that was the, the, the co-prince of uh, Andorra. And basically the Andorras, Andorans didn't have a written law. They had a common law. Uh, so there was a customs in the country and people would just uh, live according to the customs. And the princes were just uh, there to ensure and protect the, uh, the country, but they respected their independence. Now, since there is no kings in France, the title of co-prince was given to the president of, uh, of France. So now you have the bishop in Spain and uh, Emmanuel Macron as the co-princes of Andorra, but they have um, their own constitution and everything. So basically the Andorras, Andorrans vote their own laws and uh, the co-princes just uh, put a signature at the end of the of the file to say, yeah, uh, okay, let's go with this. So that's, uh, that's how it works uh, here. Yeah, and, so uh, if... Sorry. If, no, I was going to say that it's not so cool as to having your own prince who's ruling. Mostly, you know, if the prince is a liberal guy, uh, because there is uh, actually, you know, just a democracy uh, ruling in here. Which, uh, to my, to my, I mean, to me, it's somewhat concerning long term because I know, I know what uh, usually democracy ends up uh, like. Mm. But, but, uh, but okay. I mean, so far so good. And uh, as as for what you were asking about the conservative thing. Just so everybody knows in the space, it's not like a redneck country uh, and uh, old school guys and everything. It's just that uh, it's, a, it's a country in which they, they don't teach your kids that uh, not only uh, women uh, menstruate. Uh, like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, I want to put things into context. Uh, I, 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 I was speaking from a Canadian perspective, right? And uh, I don't know if anyone, you know, I guess there are a few people who are from Canada, but uh, I guess you know what I, what I mean, right? It's... I'm an open-minded guy, right? I've been on the progressive side of things for a long time, but sometimes, you know, it's getting too far. And when you have, you know, drag queens coming into daycare to tell stories to your kids, you're like, what the fuck are you doing here, right? I mean, clowns if you want, right? But uh, drag queens, it's the adult world. It's, you know, it's the night world. And I don't want my, my you know, uh, two-year-old daughter to be t told stories by drag queens, right? And that's one of the examples, but uh, yeah, they put social stuff into mathematics. It's yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's 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 getting it's getting a little bit too crazy for me in Canada, and uh, so it's really subjective. And some people might disagree here, but uh, that's not the type of education I want for my kids. So there's no way, you know, my 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 kids are gonna go in a Canadian school like that. And um, and also, you know, there's something also in Canada, depending where you are right i've not lived in all of the provinces of canada but where i was the school system was pretty bad and the level uh was pretty bad and i was in the best neighborhood i could be in terms of schools and you know you would have to pay to put your kids in the good schools because otherwise the level is bad so uh, from from that point of view you know andorra seems good because free school and pretty good level uh, i think from the homework that i did so yeah uh, but um yeah, no, it seems uh, like, uh, and safety, safety too, something Alberto mentioned. Uh, I mean, Canada has been a very safe country for a long time, but, uh, you know, it's on the surface. It's because the bad boys, they do their business, and as long as you don't bother them, they don't bother you. It's like, not like in European countries where they, you can get, you know, mugged for a cigarette or something. In Canada, none of that happened. But uh, now, you know, I guess during the past year, 
uh, it really degraded. Uh, there have been some shootings in the streets, some you know kids being shot, uh, being killed, uh, and a lot of uh, an increasing level of violence. I mean, compared to some you know to Chicago or Buffalo, it's nothing. But from a Canadian perspective, it's something a little bit concerning, and also it's shown the world that uh, actually there's a lot of uh, guns in Canada. It's you know next door to the U.S. Can I mean Canada supplies the drugs to the U.S. and the U.S. supply the guns to Canada, and so so people realize actually there are guns. It's just because you know people use them less often, but there are a lot of guns in Canada, and so yeah, it started you know to get a little bit. Uh, more dangerous more than than it used to be before so i said you know there's a bad trend here let's get let's get out of here and uh yeah but back to andorra i think you know something i wanted to mention real quick and we we didn't really uh, touch here um but uh i don't know and uh and alberto and paul and, and maybe i don't know someone else here would know better but uh on paper and from the homework that i did this country has everything to become uh, a bitcoin nation the culture, uh, the financial system, uh, the fact that it's dependent on, uh, you know, uh, monetary policy that they are they have no control, no say about, and uh, and so yeah, I don't know, I don't know what we should expect. I know they had a, a cryptocurrency law they were supposed to pass, got delayed due to uh, COVID because lawmakers were busy there, you know, managing other stuff. But I hope they are going to make the right decisions and uh, and seize the opportunity, especially with what we see in the in the European Union, where you know they uh, they they voted down the the Mika uh, law, but uh, you know it's sending a message. I guess you know the Swiss and the British are laughing and are you know seeing this opportunity to become uh, cryptocurrency. And I mean, I'm saying cryptocurrency from their perspective, but Bitcoin hubs. And I think you know, I hope. That uh, there are people in Andorra who see this opportunity as well to attract, you know, Bitcoin companies and innovation in Andorra, while the European Union is still thinking about: do we ban? Do we what? What we do? What do we do? And sending the wrong messages. So I guess this is a good way to segue into Andorra, uh, Bitcoin in Andorra. And Paul, you were actually when we talked. Uh, before the space, you said that you had some ideas on how to uh, orange pill Andorra. Well, I don't know if uh, if one could. It would be a bit uh, preposterous for me to say uh, I know how to orange pill a country because uh, I'm not uh, Jack Matters or anything. But um, from what I've seen is that um, now the the my. Like I orange pilled my uh, my own banker uh, in uh, in Andorra. I bought him the Bitcoin standard, and then we stalled, and uh, we're sending WhatsApps and everything. And now his bank is accepting that you can, uh, for example, if you have money on Kraken.com because you sold some Bitcoin, you can use that money to fund the company here. Um, so the, there are moves being made uh, by the by the the country that seem to be uh, going to the in the right direction and i'm actually writing um i'm finishing a piece that uh alan is helping me uh, help me work on uh that is called the bitcoin case for andorra in which i explain the geopolitical context of the country what they would have to gain and even some some fun facts some people here uh might know i don't know how how, how deep they went into this but uh, what multisig is in a 
in Bitcoin, but uh, a, a fun thing in in Andorra is that uh, like there are seven seven regions, let's say in the in the country, and they used to for for hundreds of years they, they used to meet up once a year, and it was in the mountains. They had to walk for three days to reach the 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 place where they they would meet. And what's actually funny is that there are uh, like like their Magna Carta, like their um, official document saying uh, Andorra is a, is a country as uh, laws and everything, uh, was protected by a lock for which each of the regions of the country had one key. And they all had to be there at the same time and put their own keys, their seven keys to, to open uh, that safe. And uh, basically the case I, I make in the article that will be released uh, next week is that uh, since um, Andorra uses the euro but is outside of the EU, they don't have ex- access to the reserve assets of the European Central Bank. Uh, so basically they're, they're getting dumped on every time the European Central Bank prints money. Their money is being diluted and they don't even have access to the reserves uh, even if there, there are low reserves, there are still reserves at the ECB and they don't have access to it. Uh, they also don't have an army, uh, which means that they cannot store their wealth into gold because gold would be easy to seize by any country that would just come into the countries in the group, uh, a military group, and, and get the gold. And Bitcoin seems to be perfect for them to have their own reserves assets in something that cannot be uh, inflated and, and diluted and that can be easily protected. And um, yeah, I think it would make a, a lot of sense uh, for them. Uh, it would uh, allow them to transact on international markets, which is something that they're aiming to to do to leverage the uh, fiscal and uh uh, fiscal facility that the country offers they want they want to shine onto the world and bitcoin would be perfect for for that so um, yeah that's why uh, i also decided to move to the country and now my goal is to do as much as i can to talk to politicians uh, business associations oh sorry about that uh, um and i try to basically or try to orange peel them and what's cool is that also there's only 20,000 voters in the country since there are only 20,000 nationals, which means that with a, a small amount of, um, of Bitcoin, you could, um, you could basically give some to everyone in the population and create a de facto Bitcoin country for a fraction of the cost since it's only 20,000 people. So that's one of the things that I, that I find very interesting yeah, as well about uh, Andorra. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm so I'm as pumped as uh, as Paul is with this possibility. I, yeah, I think, I think it would be awesome, you know, if if we could get to Orange Peel, uh, Andorra. It's it's a uh, it's one of those things, you know that. Uh, it's uh, you, you can continue to run, you know, to the best uh, country that uh, that's available, or you can potentially, you know, make make a change in the one that you are at at the moment. And uh, yeah, in that regard, Andorra is easy because well, easier than others because well, as Paul said, there's only twenty thousand people. Um, you know, I go to the gym and I, I, I am probably hanging out with uh, well, I am actually hanging out with uh, with people who is in you know, the parliament. Uh, I don't know the president yet, but everybody knows him. So it's not like it's not like in a country like Spain or I mean, not even Spain, which is pretty big. But 
Um, I don't know, even 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 in El Salvador, there's six, six million people. So it's not like you could go to El Salvador and if Najib wasn't there, you would get to Orange Peel El Salvador easy peasy. You know, I mean, because six, six million people, it's it's not easy, you know, to to move uh, to move ahead. But uh, in here, there's twenty thousand people. So, I mean, there's the case, and as Paul said, the situation is interesting for for Andorra to get into this because because yeah, they they use the euro, but they are not part of the European Union, and this is, I think, it's interesting for them. Because it makes up well, interesting for us because it makes up the case for for Bitcoin, but it's not so rushy as it may look. Uh, so I'm getting into into this as Paul is basically. I didn't know Paul you were writing this. Uh, let me know when you when you have written it and maybe I can chime in. Uh, because I'm also doing some some research. I am I'm, I am hanging out with a a guy who well a guy <laughs> this man who's been you know here for forty years and he's very well connected. Um, you know, with politicians over here, and I've, I've gotten to discover a few things about about Andorra and their economic situation, and uh, yeah, the, the relationship with Europe could be could be an advantage or a disadvantage. You know, it depends on how how it plays out. Because yeah, I'm pretty concerned about these things because I mean, maybe I shouldn't, but I think you know, long term, it's important. I think to take care of these things, and yeah, so the situation in, in Andorra at the moment is that. They they have an agreement with uh, Europe because yeah, Charlemagne or Carlo Magno, as as Paul was saying, uh, was a long time ago, and right now you know there's Andorra, which is a tiny country in the middle of the European Union, using the euro. So the European Union is uh, okay is with uh, the situation, but uh, increasingly asking for for the uh, demanding stuff from from Andorra, right? And um, the situation in Andorra is such that they make the most money from um, selling tobacco actually it's it's a funny thing but the the main business or let's say the, the main revenue source of the government in here is um, selling tobacco because well you know cigarettes are pretty expensive everywhere uh, they are not so much here in Andorra uh, that's because they have this agreement with Europe that uh, you know they can keep it it's not super cheap I mean it's actually much much more expensive than it was when, when I was younger, but still cheaper than in France and cheaper than in Spain, cheaper than everything around. So so they sell a lot of cigarettes, basically, to everybody who come here to buy cigarettes. And so they make a lot of money, a lot of money with this, and this is because Europe lets them. And um, this is uh, this is delicate for 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 Andorra because yeah, so it puts them in a situation in which they cannot piss off Europe as in. Okay, I'm gonna just gonna do my thing and you know become a let's say become a by Bitcoin country and it's been nice meeting you uh, because yeah it would it would impact them somewhat so they cannot piss off Europe and just do their own thing they need to to play these games with uh, the European Union so so it puts them in a situation which uh, is is not it's not like like they can just do whatever they want, you know, which would be the ideal situation. Uh, it, it, I mean, you've, you've been following probably the situation with El Salvador and Argentina. So, so yeah, as you've probably been following up the situation, you know, in El Salvador, um, since they since they went to Bitcoin, they, they've been having some issues, you know, with the IMF. And, of course, their bonds have gone uh, pretty bad. And, um, yeah, so this is because... El Salvador is not in a void, you know, what they can do, whatever they want. Of course, there's there's stuff that's happening around them that they need to to control as well. And this is with the IMF. The IMF, I think in Andorra, 
is not important, but it is. But it is it, the European Union. It is important because at the, at the moment it is the main source of uh, of uh, of revenue. You know, coming from these Europeans who just you know coming here and they buy cigarettes. Uh, of course, the, the, ideally, you know, you, you just go off the euro, but this is a problem for them, or, or the, more, more than a problem. I mean, from, from what I hear, they they wouldn't be happy with that because they they played so they worked a lot to get the, to get into the euro because this makes it easier for Spanish people, uh, French people to just come here buy cigarettes with the euros and go home. You know, uh, if they need to to swap currencies to buy, uh, not ideal. Of course, in a in a in a Bitcoin scenario. If every if most more people have Bitcoin and they just come in here and pay Bitcoin, yeah. But okay, but at the moment that's unrealistic, and um, yeah. So that's that's a little bit of more of uh, color about the the situation. So so yeah. Uh, in terms of orange peel in Andorra, all in and uh, trying to do my part. Was well, you know I have the podcast, so so I'm all the time speaking about this. And yeah, they 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 are working on this law for for crypto law. Uh, it's not clear yet what's gonna be like. I am guessing that there is also some pressure from Europe in, in here, but uh, some deal with um, with the European Union is going to come uh, through. Um, I think I think it probably came through already, but I haven't heard, so I'm not sure it, it came out already. But yeah, something is going to come come through, and this probably puts them off the hook for the next two or three years with Europe. It's not like they have to deal with them all the time, you know, because it's I mean, Andorra is a tiny business uh, for for them. So so yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there, but yeah, it's. They cannot do whatever they want because they are not in the European Union, but very close to them. So, so yeah, that that puts them in a situation which, yeah, as I said, it could be an opportunity because maybe it's not so hard. I mean, it's not so hard to just break off because you are not complete European Union, but it's not so easy as to you just can you can just do whatever you want. Um, that's a bit more color. <laughs> I, I hope to get more work done in this uh, regard in the in the coming months. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the country enough, but uh, what I'm listening now, what I'm hearing from you now, and uh, based on you know the research that I did a little bit, um, I mean, they don't have to get out of the euro and say fuck off to the European Union, but they may say, hey, you know, we're gonna, you know, uh, gently uh, support Bitcoin initiatives in the country, uh, make Bitcoin companies feel welcome in Andorra to innovate from here to create jobs, uh, fiscal revenue. Uh, we're going to also um, uh, allow and encourage uh, merchants, uh, retailers, shops, any business here to uh, accept Bitcoin as a form of payment. Uh, as a government, we're going to accept you know, tax payment in Bitcoin, a little bit like uh, Zug, and now, what is the other jurisdictions in Switzerland that's doing that? Is it Lugano or something? Um, and uh, so they could uh, they could do that. That would send a message. And um, you know, I I mean, Switzerland is 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 doing it. So why not Andorra? And I hear you that Andorra, you know, is is a much smaller country, and yeah, they get pressure from the European Union. But uh, I mean, I may be completely wrong here, and I don't want to speak on anyone's behalf. But I think you know, if I'd be them. I'd find some ways and I would be looking for ways to have some leverage to remain independent. Otherwise, they're going to get crushed because their revenue at the moment is what? Tobacco and tourism. And tobacco, I mean, the the, the neighboring countries are going to say, you know what? We have um, uh, public health, healthcare systems and basically you're uh, you're making our people sick 
and you're making revenue while we're spending revenue to treat our uh, to treat cancers in our countries. Whether it's a narrative or it's true, they are going to crush them um, uh, based on that argument. And tourism, um, you know, you have, uh, I mean, during the COVID years, uh, I think uh, GDP, uh, yeah, G- uh, Andorran G- GDP uh, dropped by 11% or something, 9 or 11%. So if you have, you know, I mean, they, my opinion, if I'd be them, and I might be completely wrong, but I would diversify my revenue and um and i would try to have you know some you know fintech innovation and bitcoin is uh, for the reasons that paul mentioned and the uh, the reasons that i saw in the article that i contributed a little bit uh, on it's um to me you know it's either they go into europe in the eurozone or they get into bitcoin because they have at the moment um they don't have the the advantages of being in the eurozone and they suffer the monetary policy of the eurozone so um, I don't know. It's uh, but if I'd be them, yeah, I, I'd be I'd be working hard on that because I think it fits very well their history of independence, uh, their socio-economic um, structure. I mean, the, the the people that they have, uh, you know, pretty pretty wealthy uh, uh, residents, and uh, and it would attract you know capital innovation. You know, I work for a company at the moment that's headquartered in London, and they are looking at different jurisdictions, like any crypto or Bitcoin company, to be resilient, to be in a position where you know, if there is a government crackdown on the Bitcoin industry, they can move operations to another jurisdictions, jurisdiction, and look at what the Bahamas did, and now you know it's uh, it's recognized as a as a favorable jurisdiction. FTX, a huge exchange, they are headquartered there, and there are more companies getting there. I think I think it's Checkout.com as well that's going there. Or maybe which, they are in the, uh, the Bahamas. I think Checkout.com oh, okay. actually they are in the in Bermuda. But uh, you see, I mean those uh, those countries. I mean, if the Bahamas or Bermuda or uh, Cayman Island or British Virgin Island can have you know uh, uh, re- regulations that are what they are and what we all know they are, being close to the U.S. And the U.S. is a lot more scary, in my opinion. The federal government is a, in the U.S. is a lot scarier than the than the European Commission, in my opinion. And uh, you have Jersey and Guernsey. Uh, I mean, they are what uh, twenty kilometers away from uh, from the European Union coast, and they are under the U, the British uh, Giron. And what they are, they, they they do they do what they've been doing and what we all know they've been doing for decades. So why would Andorra uh, bend? I mean, they have everything to lose, in my opinion. If they bend to have, you know, peace, they have everything to lose. They are going, they are going to finance um, the rest of the European Union at some point, which they already are doing because they are dealing with the inflation from the money printing from the eurozone. They have no say about. So I don't know if I'd be them, you know, I'd be like, fuck that, let's go into Bitcoin. And there are other countries doing it. So, and I mean, if if Bukele can do it in Salvador and say fuck off to the IMF, and you see his tweets, he's even teasing uh, the the federal government in the U.S. Why would Andorra not say anything? I think you know Andorra is in a stronger position than Salvador. So, I don't know. I might be completely wrong, and I don't know everything about Andorra, but uh, I, I I don't see why they would be missing such an opportunity. I think that. Uh... One of the easiest options would be to simply add some Bitcoin to their reserves as a country. 
that's so easy. It doesn't change any political law or whatever. You just add some Bitcoin to to the country and uh, and that's it. Um, and uh, and also uh, one of the things that is interesting is that since since a mountain country, there are a lot of uh, rivers and lakes and whatever, and gravity basically allows them to uh, generate electricity. Uh, which could allow them to to mine. I have a friend in uh, in Andorra who moved there like a twin, in like eight years ago or seven years ago, and um, basically he was mining. Uh, he was mining Bitcoin in Andorra in 2014, I think. Uh, so kind of early, and he had like 500 S9s running uh, there because the electricity is very cheap as well. Um, the country is also working on um, a huge solar farm um, so that they, they could increase their energy production. So, I mean, they have a, they have a, a lot of uh, benefits to, to gain from adopting uh, Bitcoin and uh, also an history of having to deal with different currencies going into their country because uh, before the euro, there was still people. There was already people buying cigarettes, uh, as Alberto mentioned, in in Andorra. But there was no euro, so you would uh, you would have your pesetas from Spain. You would have your francs from France, and uh, the shops and locals were already dealing with multiple currencies. So that could be a second move. It's like a, it's not a, an official currency, but you can transact in it. That could uh, that could also be a, a step uh, forward. That, that could be good. Um, so yeah, that's why that's why I've decided to. That's one of my meta goals in in life to work on this and try to make this uh, situation and go forward. Yeah, yeah, guys, definitely. I mean, I don't want to be a party pooper, and of course, I, 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 I love this idea and on board with uh, with doing this. And I mean, if if this were to happen. And I contributed zero point one percent. I'll be you know ultra happy. It's just that. Uh, well, we need to understand politics, and I'm just saying that it's not, it's not an easy thing. Um, I, I get, you know, so what Alan and Paul are, are saying makes complete sense. It's, it, but you know that politicians don't usually do <laughs> whatever makes a lot of sense. And um, yeah, the situation here is one that they we have politicians in Andorra that have been fighting for the past 15 years. So it's not like this is work that they're, you know, that they're, they're, the previous generation did. No, this generation of politicians were fighting. You know, to get on the euro, to get involved with uh, European businesses, to um, to become well, as Paul, as Paul was explaining, to become part of the international treaties and stop being a safe haven. Uh, so they've been doing all of this work, and um, you know how hard it, it is to orange peel your friends. <laughs> now imagine orange peeling um, these guys who, who you know who who have been working towards um, a deals with uh, with Europe uh, and then, you know, trying to orange, to orange build them and trying to, to get them to, to move to, to Bitcoin. So it's this makes it a bit hard because, you know, these guys have been fighting to be more on board with the European Union and now, you know, telling them, no, let, let's try to run our own thing. It, it goes it goes with all that you support. It goes with your values. But even though we we see that, and they would probably see that if they understood Bitcoin, they don't understand Bitcoin yet, and they've been fighting for this thing for the past uh, few years, as I said. So, so it's it's, it's going to be an uphill, I believe. But uh, yeah, as I as I began saying, Andorans are Bitcoiners; they just don't know they are Bitcoiners 
yet. So yeah, I think I think this this makes a lot of uh, this makes a lot of sense. It's just that uh, yeah, these these guys uh, have been fighting a completely different uh, battle at the moment. So moving them towards a different one, a opposite one even, uh, it's going to be hard. Mostly, I think it mostly depends on whatever stance the European Union gets on crypto. Because if they if they say no, crypto is bad, and by crypto I mean Bitcoin and uh, mining and all of that, uh, then I see it very hard for Andorra to be like, okay, we're going to do Bitcoin uh, against you know what Europe what Europe is saying. So that that could be problematic. Uh, hopefully, I'm wrong, and hopefully, we can make. Um, something, something to to avoid that and to get them into Bitcoin. Makes total sense what you said, and uh, and uh, I'm sure you know you, you would agree. But the uh, thing is, if they if they are not uh, if they are not bold, Switzerland, the UK, Jersey, Guernsey, they're already on you know they're already on on Bitcoin and uh, and on crypto, and they are I think you know they are really happy about the uh, the message that the European Union Union is sending. Because it's going to drive a lot of companies in their territories to pay tax out there, and uh, it's aligned with their culture. I mean, the Swiss, you see what they are doing. So you know, if Andorra is, doesn't do it, I mean, it doesn't really matter, I guess. You know, in the grand scheme of things, because the companies are going to be and already already are in the UK and Switzerland, and that's it. So it's too bad. But uh, no, I agree with you. In the end. Kind of the hope that we're wrong. One of the things that um, that we must wrap our head around as the as Bitcoiners is uh, the simple fact that uh, we expect and we foresee that there would be hyperinflation in the coming years. Maybe they will manage to delay this time by five years or six years or whatever, like they did in 20, 2008. But this is going to help us orange pill uh, individuals, companies, and governments way faster than, than before. Because if they see before their eyes that hyperinflation is coming, it's a, it becomes a problem that they need to fix. And the thing is that there's not that many solutions. It's like, a, I don't know how you say this in English, but we have an expression in French that, that says that the, basically it's uh, harder to, it, it's easy to squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube, but it's very hard to put it back in. And uh, once the hyperinflation starts, it, it's going to be um, a massive blow to many people in many countries, and they're going to look for solutions. And that's that's the time I, I believe that we need to strike in and offer the solution that well, Bitcoin was actually built for that. It was built to protect yourself against inflation and hyperinflation. And once it's it starts becoming real in the life of hundreds of millions of Europeans and well, then maybe some countries that have. Uh, um, fast-moving governments because they are of a smaller scale. Maybe that's when the, those governments uh, decide to take action and try at least something to 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 reduce the that, that hyperinflation. So reality is playing with us. Uh, it's reality is on our side on 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 this path, and uh, that's something we need to take in consideration because uh, we've seen it with the. 
uh, gas prices, like uh, the actual gas and the, the petrol, like the gasoline that you put in, in your car. But you're seeing it on meat, you're seeing it on food now. There's going to be shortage in uh, in wheat because Russia and Ukraine, when you combine them together, they produce 45% of this planet's wheat. And wheat is like what makes bread and pasta and all the staple foods for hundreds of millions of, of people. And uh, it, uh, inflation is going to be a real problem in the coming years. Bitcoin is the solution. We all know that here. And uh, it's going to be easier and easier with time to orange peel. Um, so that's that's something we need to take into account when we when we talk about it. It's hard. I don't. I, maybe I will fail at this, but uh, I don't think there's um, many more things that that could be more interesting than contributing even a, a tiny bit to to that. A question: um, Would if the principality would like to implement uh, more friendly laws maybe it's already super friendly i don't know but is it is it so that the uh, president of france could just veto by not signing or is there a tradition that uh, the bishop in spain and the king slash president now uh, of france always sign whatever the um the parliament decides uh, how does it work in practice on the on the front end of things they always sign because it would be terrible to just look like okay this country is independent they have a constitution my job is only to sign and it would be terrible politically to look like uh, okay the people voted for this it was brought into law and i stopped the law from voters that uh, were independent sovereign people so historically they've always signed all the laws but uh they may interact with the law making process before it becomes law in order to change or modify things so they could uh they could create some troubles or try to delay it or whatever but it's still uh, it's still doable one of the examples i would give around that is that since the one of the co-princes is a bishop uh, basically, um, there's no it, you. You get into funny situations. So, for example, abortion is not legal in Andorra, but if you're in Andorra and you go to France or Spain to have an abortion, the social security will 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 pay for it. So it's not legal in the country because they don't want to put that into law, but um, it's still it's still paid for by the state if you if you have to have have one. So. Um, it's 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 not going to be an easy pass. Huh? It's just uh, I think it's interesting to to work on this. But yeah, I don't think they could they could delay it. They could uh, create some troubles. But if it was to be signed into law, they would have to sign it. Yeah, yeah. Timing yeah, in here, it's basically what what Paul is saying. Um, they would probably try to you know delay it or or avoid it to get into voting. But you know if it gets into voting and it's voted and it's in favor. Uh, it's very unlikely that they will do anything to it. It's it's this these figures. I mean, maybe this is uncommon. I don't know. I don't know if you are from from the US, but uh, so in Europe, since we since we stopped having monarchies, uh, most of the countries that were monarchies didn't get rid of the of the monarchs. So, like in Spain, for instance, we have the monarch and he signs off the law. 
but you know he gets the law and he just signs it up. Uh, it, it's the way it works. So it's the the parliament votes. Uh, it, it goes. It goes. Um, if it goes on, uh, the, then the, the king only only signs. He has no real power. It's just that he needs to to to, to sign. That's it. Yeah, don't, don't get me started on the monarchies. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but uh, yeah, having lived in a in a country that's the only one in the Americas uh, that still has a monarchy, you know, I can tell you uh, what I think is the impact of uh, being a monarchy, and uh, I, you can see a huge difference between people who kicked out the monarchy out of their country or people who cut their head of the king. And people who uh, are the loyalists, namely, you know, Canadians, they have been, you know, loyalists. When the Americans did their revolution, the loyalists went up to hiding in Canada. And Canadians have always been rewarded for being loyal to the monarchy. And you see what it is today. They've been, you know, some uh, very um, complying uh, people. And that's uh, what got me scared, uh, basically. Not that I'm easily scared, but uh, I mean, at some point, you know, you have to admit that uh, you can't change anything and that it's becoming uh, dangerous. So, yeah, fuck those people who are not bold enough to kick out the monarchy of their country. And uh, I don't know all the countries that still have monarchies, but I have a, I have a bad opinion about it. Uh, anyway, uh, the question that I had for you, Paul and, Alber and uh, Alberto, because I don't know the answer to this, is uh, does Andorra need uh, a law for crypto regulation or Bitcoin? Because maybe, you know, because at the moment, what I know is uh, if you want to open a Bitcoin uh, company in Andorra, you may do so, you may incorporate uh, a Bitcoin company in Andorra, but I think you're not going to get access to banking services. But it seems to be more of a sort of a, practice risk management type of thing and maybe informally you know they could say hey you know we have fintechs in andorra we have fintech companies you know payment uh, processing uh, providers in andorra doing business other type of fintechs so let's consider bitcoin companies as fintechs that's it no law no regulation no nothing and uh, if uh, a retailer wants to accept bitcoin in their store no need because I'm not a huge fan of you know uh, making Bitcoin legal standard, um, legal tender. Uh, I, I, I think uh, you know you you don't always uh, need to uh, regulate things. You may say you know you accept payment in Bitcoin. We don't. It's not illegal. So as long as it's not illegal, you can do it. And you may open a, a, a business in the Bitcoin industry. It's not illegal. Bitcoin is not illegal. So you may open a, a Bitcoin business, open a bank account for your Bitcoin business. And and at the moment, I think, you know, they are more on the cautious side of things. But if they if they just want to, to informally uh, support Bitcoin, they just have to, I guess, I don't know, I'm asking. Basically, it's more of a question. But could they could they just say nothing, not pass any law? And allow Bitcoin companies and Bitcoin payments to be made in Andorra as is. There, I'm there not is sure they have a law. There's yeah, a law already written. It's just uh, not signed off because it was delayed because of COVID, as uh, Alberto mentioned. So there's a law coming that just uh, basically says uh, uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are regulated as, as other financial assets and whatever and this is what the most of the banks were 
waiting for because uh, when you're a bank, you have to do risk management and having a law that says, okay, you can do this is better than just doing it. Even if it's not illegal, you're just on the yeah cautious side of side of things like you mentioned, but uh, it's, uh, it's coming uh, pretty soon. I, uh, I guess I believe before the end of this year, it will, uh, it will be voted and, um, and put into action. So Just, That's what yeah. I heard too. Maybe we spoke to the same person, but what I heard that it would be by the end of the year. And basically, I don't have the details, but what you said is basically the law. And you know, without, I don't know if you have any details, but it's saying uh, crypto uh, currencies uh, would be considered as any other financial asset. And period. So no specific constraint or anything. And so pretty crypto friendly. And uh, I, not that I care much about crypto, but uh, pretty Bitcoin friendly, if I understand correct. The law is, I mean, is online. You can find it if you, if you want. So yeah. um, I'm wondering one thing about the um, hesitancy in DORA from the institutions. So a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, we had a space together with the Panamanian Bitcoin community. Actually, we had one of the senators uh, pop in or, or uh, the senator that is running the uh, the implementation of a specific Bitcoin law in, or actually it's a cryptocurrency law in Panama. And Panama is one of few, or maybe the only country in the world that doesn't have legal tender laws. It, they actually have it in their constitution. Um, and it's a, a no tax uh, country. So in theory, Panama should be a really good country for uh, for uh, adoption of Bitcoin. But the problem has been that the banks have been super aggressive. And actually, um, Ablito, his wife, Ablito is one of the Panamanian Bitcoiners, apparently his wife, he, she deposited some money to a cryptocurrency exchange account uh, and it was shut down. Her bank account was shut down like two days later. So are they that aggressive in andorra and the problem the problem by the way in panama was as i understood it that they've had problem with uh, they've had problems with the correspondent banking system where panama was once cut off from the correspondent banking system and that's pretty much a disaster for any economy and um, is 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 it that aggressive in andorra today where where they, they will shut you down instantly, or is it more like cautious? You have to be very, like, you have to explain a lot of things. What have your experiences been? Um, yeah, so my experience is that, well, in my experience, of course, I don't know. But, um, well, they are not very aggressive, but they are super cautious. Like, when I was opening my bank account here for, for my company, Uh, well, they did some research on me. I guess they just searched my name, and uh, well, <laughs> if you search my name, it says you know it's Alberto Mera and it's all Bitcoin, you know. So, so when I was when I went to the to the to the bank, the woman opening the account for me was like, okay, so are you doing uh, Bitcoin stuff? And I had to explain to her that no, 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 no. So that's a podcast, blah, blah, blah. but no, no, really, my my sources of in of income are are somewhere else, you know. So, so I had to. I, just to, I mean, maybe maybe I could have uh, fought that battle, but it was easier for me to just avoid it altogether because I think they, they so as I said, they don't understand it. And most banks, I think that some, some banks are getting into it uh, more than others, but 
it's it's so so recent for them and they they've opened up to international finance so recently that you know getting them into understanding bitcoin is hard so so they they see it as okay this is super weird this is uh, dangerous this is uh, something i don't understand so it's it's the kind of uh, response that you get in my experience the kind of response that you get when you don't understand something so you, you think this is dangerous you think this is uh, this is bad you know uh, and this is this is my experience with uh, with banks and also with uh, well with with people who is uh, you know with, with underruns basically um also i just wanted to say in terms of uh, how the law works at the moment because it may be interesting for people so right now the right now when you hold bitcoin in your in your company that's allowed so you can have bitcoin in your company but the way uh, that you have to to do your uh, accountability or, or your, your taxes on it uh it's it's a bit messed up so you basically have to mark to market your your bitcoin position at the end of the year and if there was uh, a gain, so let's say you bought you you, you got Bitcoin into the company at uh, twenty thousand, and then at the end of the year it's at forty thousand, then you need to pay taxes on that on that increase, even if you didn't sell. Um, and then you know next year it goes from forty to to twenty, and that credit credits you uh, you know the loss, but only credits it to you, and you can uh, use this credit in the following five years. So it's a bit messed up for companies because yeah. As of right now, it's pretty much impossible for any large company to hold Bitcoin in in the in their balance sheet because it's uh, it's messed up because you know the price of Bitcoin goes up as it usually does. Uh, then you have to pay taxes even if you didn't sell, uh, just because you know you mark to market at the end of the year. So it's not ideal at the moment. I, I don't know what's going to come out of this. Uh, of this new Bitcoin or crypto law, um, but yeah, uh, I'd be curious to to know. Yeah, um, with regards to the community, do you guys meet up? Is there a meetup in Andorra? Do you not? Do you guys have you guys met in person? I've met Paul, and I've met another guy who's also a Bitcoiner, but uh, he couldn't attend. He's he's pretty pretty private. Um, with uh, you know, with with his uh, persona, he he's he's a uh, he's an OG. Uh, he moved here also a couple of years ago. So so yeah, he, he's pretty private. But uh, so I, I met him. But you know, I mean, I don't know of any meetups that uh, that that, uh, that are happening here. There is there's some so Bitcoin only. There is there's nothing I know. Uh, there is a crypto. So there's some crypto stuff. Like uh, they say, crypto academy. I know one guy that launched it, um, and it's like that, yeah, like a crypto academy, but basically, yeah, yeah an academy for shitcoins. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so that there, there's something like that. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I, I, I met Paul because uh, well, he tweeted, "I'm going to Andorra. Any Bitcoiners?" And, and there was I. And um, yeah, still, still a fairly small community in my experience. I don't know, Paul, um, Alan, what do you think? Well, I have a, I've like uh, say uh, ten, ten Bitcoiner friends uh, in uh, in Andorra uh, that I usually usually meet. Some of them are partly shitcoiners, as uh, Alberto mentioned, and, but there's also a lot of uh, people who are more kind of in a, in the um, financial aspect side of life where they manage uh, where they have stocks where they have uh, everything and who just perceive bitcoin as a 
one type of asset that they can add to their portfolio and they're not as in truly uh, toxic maximalist uh, shit uh, like uh, some of us could uh, could be so yeah we have a uh, there's crypto is definitely bigger in andorra than uh, bitcoin maximalism uh, in my uh, in my opinion but uh, a lot of wealthy people have some major positions in uh, in uh, in bitcoin in uh, in andorra um, they all know what it that it did even for shitcoiners most of them know that uh, bitcoin is the uh, even in their way in their perception they think it's the real the big thing uh, and then they they're just trying to flip some other altcoins for for profit in in euro terms or dollar terms so that's uh that's how i see it a uh, few bitcoiners a lot of people own bitcoin and uh and as we said it's uh, not the not the same thing but um yeah that's that's just the way i perceive it okay and with regards to bitcoin companies are there any local bitcoin companies um, that are growing or is there any companies that have moved to andorra specifically i don't know of any um there is one business i'd like to i'd like to start but i need the I need the um, crypto active uh, whatever uh, law to to pass before I can uh, I can send it. But yeah, there's uh, there's I, I don't know of any business that would uh, like a, like an exchange or whatever. But I know that my friend had a, had a totally legit business of mining. Uh, it was hard to explain to the bank, and it took eight months to tell them that uh, I'm gonna plug machines. And I'm gonna get money out of it, and so they wouldn't understand that. But uh, uh, he was still allowed to do it. It took a lot of time of explaining with the bank, but uh, he could operate his uh, his mining business from there, since electricity, as I said, is um, really uh, affordable uh, for now, at least. Um, so yeah, there, there are probably some. Uh, I know um, Remnant and I have a, a common friend who thought about uh, maybe moving into his business into Andorra. But I believe that uh, a lot of people are waiting for clarification from the legal side of things before they truly start their, their business and advertise it. Okay. Yeah, as I said, it's, a bit, it's pretty tricky as it stands. Like, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine a company, Bitcoin only, moving here with Bitcoin on their balance sheet because it's it's messed up. You know, imagine you have a big year like 2021, you start your balance sheet with, um, you know, Bitcoins at 20 and you end up uh, with Bitcoins at uh, 40 or 50. Then you need to pay, you know, taxes on that, even though, even though you didn't sell. So it's it's a bit messed up, you know, to, to, to manage that balance sheet as it stands right now. Gotcha. Okay, um, I'm wondering if uh, anyone in the audience would like to ask a question. Uh, please, um, yeah, request to speak, and um, if the speakers are are happy to uh, bring anyone up, uh, we'll we'll bring you up to ask a question. And um, we just got Alexandra who is uh, one of the 
co-organizer of Global Bitcoin Fest from Zimbabwe. And uh, I'm really curious what Alexandria wants to ask. Let's see if he can connect. Sometimes internet really sucks in Zimbabwe because the copper wires get cut off. Um, people take them and sell them. Uh, Alexandria, how are you? Hey, so I was saying, um, since um, the country is like a small country, does does this um, like reduce the rate, or does this like do you think it, it slows down the rate the rate in which people it, um, kind of adopt Bitcoin? So what I mean is that, for example, um, less there's less of an incentive to create uh, to have Bitcoin events or to um, for companies to 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 sell like hardware wallets or mining rigs and 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 um, advertise in the country for about Bitcoin and stuff. Does that? From from my perspective, uh, the thing is that uh, small governments and small countries, when they're efficient, they move much faster than uh, big ones since there's uh, less uh, layers of uh, bureaucracy to, to go through. So uh, in my opinion, it just moves forward. However, the fact that they're uh, isolated in the mountain, uh, old school kind of mentality and everything, Means that, uh, and also in a well-functioning country, uh, means that uh, they're they they probably didn't they feel less the need for Bitcoin than uh, some other countries since uh, they have access to banks, to SEPA transfer, to whatever credit cards, and and it's uh, the country is basically working as it is now. It's um, so. There's there's those two sides. The, it moves faster when it starts moving since there's less layers of bureaucracy. However, they don't need uh, Bitcoin as much as uh, some other countries who are uh, experiencing uh, the troubles of money printing and, and fiat money more than than they would be. Yeah. So basically, what what, what Paul is saying, the 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 flip the the upside, let's say, is that since it's a small country. I mean, you don't need to orange pill, um, you know, one million people. In here, uh, well, I don't know, but probably if you orange pill the right three people, uh, it can move rather quickly, you know, because, yeah, it's, it's such a small country that if uh, two or three influential people um, in government or even, even you know, in some of the different um, uh, communities in here, you know, as I said, there is, there's the footballers community, which... Uh, uh, they don't have a lot of weight, but they do have a lot of money. So, you know, if they get into it, um, the word spreads rather quickly. Uh, same for politicians. So, yeah, it, if it's, it's it's a lot easier to get it started, I believe, because you don't need to orange peel a huge amount of people. And I also had one other question is that, you know, it's easy for me to, to sell the idea of Bitcoin to people in Zimbabwe because um, our central government has done such a terrible, terrible job in the monetary policy end. Um, but you guys were saying that your money, your central banking system or monetary system is very strong. Is Does that now make it a bit difficult for you to to convince people because people will just say, well, um, our system is, is working very well. Why would you want to change it? Um, do you face any of that opposition? Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, if your money sucks uh, and you don't have any systems, then, you know, Bitcoin is like a no-brainer. Uh, but yeah, in the case your money works and your systems pretty much uh, work, uh, yeah, you, you need you, it takes a little bit more of convincing. Yeah. 
I think it would be easier to orange pill the endurance on the digital gold kind of narrative because they understand gold. They probably a lot of them probably have gold uh, since they are kind of old school. So I think that's uh, it, it. Really depends also on the narrative that uh, that you use. Uh, if you use the narrative that you can store your wealth digitally and move around with it, um, and nobody can take it from you. That's uh, that's probably a, a narrative that, that would be more sensible to uh, rather than uh, just um, like a, as in a, a method of payments or whatever, since they have that uh, already at their disposal. Okay. Thank you very much for your questions, Alexandria. And um, Paul, I know you said you have to leave around the two-hour mark. So I suggest that uh, we wrap up uh, here and each one of you guys, if you can share um, some closing remarks and some, some of your thoughts and um, uh, then we wrap up. Is that, is that a good timing, Paul? Yeah, it's perfect for me. Uh, thank you for taking that in consideration. Um, I'll start since I have the thing and then I'll, I'll leave the mic here to Alberto and uh, Alan. Uh, so basically, if you are looking for, if you're in Europe and you're looking for a tax-friendly country where you can be left alone and uh, do your own thing without uh, fearing for your belongings, your wife or your kids or whatever, and that you want a high quality of life, I uh, suggest that you that you come pay us uh, a visit. Uh, we'll be working hard to uh, push Bitcoin uh, forward uh, in the in the country. And um, if you like to ski as well, uh, as uh, Lucas mentioned earlier, we have some of the best uh, ski stations in uh, in Europe. Uh, quality of life is good. Life is way cheaper than uh, in uh, other other countries. So if you want to pay us a visit. Uh, would be probably happy to to go have a beer with you uh, in a in the Andorran Citadel, Alberto. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, well, what what Paul said. I mean, this this country is uh, is amazing. I, I moved here a year ago. I'm loving it. Uh, I think you know over the whole conversation we've spoken about the the virtues of this country. Uh, of course, it's not for everybody because well, I mean. Uh, I've been in Madrid, I've been in Paris, I've been in Barcelona, New York. I've been, I've been in big cities, and it's it's not the same. I mean, if you if you love just you know going to work and then having some beers with your friends, uh, going to fancy places every day, different fancy places. <laughs> there are there are a few in here, but there are not a lot. Uh, then maybe it's not for you. But um, yeah, if you are looking for for a different kind of vibe, uh, one that is more nature friendly and more chilled then yeah definitely the place for you uh, people is very people is very nice um super friendly and uh yeah there are a few bitcoiners here so yeah, if you come by um do do reach out and also yeah i wanted to ask uh, just i mean you don't have to do this now of course but like if anybody is listening to this and they have ideas as to how to orange peel countries <laughs> i'm totally totally down to hear them so thank you guys. Alberto, on that subject, actually, I don't know if you saw uh, Samson Moe said that he's um, going to quit or he did quit 
uh, Blockstream yeah. to dedicate all his time to orange pilling countries. So that could be um, maybe an interesting connection. Also, there seems to be a, have been a lot of work done in the Panama Panamanian Parliament. This independent senator, um, he seems to be pretty accessible, and Abelito uh, knows him really well. So if you want to talk to some people uh, from that side as well that, that have been doing that work on a political side, um, we could definitely uh, connect you if you want. No, perfect, because, yeah, I, I was actually waiting because a friend of mine is going to go, go work for Blockstream. I know that Samsung is leaving, but, I mean, I guess once he's there, it, it wouldn't be hard for him to get, to, to get, him, to get me uh, his contact. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I, I'm going for, yeah, Samsung Mo, I think he's doing a lot of good work. And now, yeah, as he said, he's going to move 100% into this. And, uh, yeah, it, it will be very, very interesting to to get his, you know, his ideas on this. Because I guess, there's, I mean, I, I don't think there's a playbook <laughs> because it only worked once. But, uh, yeah, th- there's probably a lot of good ideas that uh, Paul or, or Alan or me haven't thought about. Cool. cool. I can um, definitely connect you immediately with the Panamanians if you want, but um, let's chat in, in the uh, over the um, uh, Remnant. Al, uh, Alan, please, um, what's your thoughts? I mean, uh, I won't paraphrase what Paul said. Uh, I'd, I'd say from a different angle that uh, uh, I've been looking for a place to spend the Great Reset, and uh, the conclusion is uh, small jurisdictions, safe, uh, with a good environment, and uh, based on you know the uh, analysis that I did, Andorra came first. So yeah, I think it's a good place to spend the Great Reset, and then uh, you know, uh, I mean. It's hard to say if I'd spend the rest of my life there because, you know, a few years ago I thought, you know, maybe, and even then I was saying, you know, never say never or never be too sure. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I could spend a good decade in Andorra, maybe more. Maybe I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. I don't know. But it seems to be a good place to uh, raise your family uh, and, yeah, to spend spend, uh, the rest of the decade because I'm convinced that... uh, there are people out there that don't have uh, the best intentions for us and uh, they want to change the way things are going in the world and there's going to be a lot of chaos. And so you don't want to be, in my opinion, uh, for what it's worth, in the big cities, in the big countries with powerful government uh, that know everything you do and everywhere you go. And so go hide in the mountains. And even before picking Andorra, even before it came in my mind, intuitively I said, we've got to get off. We've got to get out of the city and hide in the mountains. And I was looking for some mountains. And uh, yeah, Andorra is that citadel in the mountains to spend the Great Reset, I guess, with Bitcoin. Boom. I have learned a lot about Andorra. Super interesting to listen to you guys. and. I myself have been on a journey uh, during the pandemic extra much thinking about things like how do I make sure that I don't get uh, stuck in a shit show. Um, I ended up in 
Vietnam after uh, I thought I was going to move to Hong Kong. And that was 2019, and Hong Kong blew up. And uh, then uh, in Vietnam, they decided in 2021 to make one of the harshest lockdowns in the world. And it really terrified me, uh, seeing how quickly things can turn into something very different. So um, I can definitely relate to the idea of, um, first of all, finding a jurisdiction that maybe will not turn as crazy as quickly, uh, but then also having backup plans. And um, Adora, actually, after having talked to you guys and listening to you now, seems like a really interesting location in Europe. Uh, personally, I would really want to spend more time snowboarding and uh, being in a Bitcoin-friendly jurisdiction uh, and being able to snowboard. I was originally thinking spending a lot of my time maybe in Norway when I snowboard, but maybe I should reconsider to Andorra. And um, really interesting, this fact about the <laughs> twin, um, the prince, the, the twin aspect of the, the sign off from the uh, president of France and the bishop in Spain is a really uh, weird construct and uh, not at all similar to Liechtenstein as I thought it was. It's it's completely different. That's that's pretty cool. And Remnant is holding up his hand. Yeah, I wanted to add uh, one last thing: is whether you pick Andorra or not. Uh, I think you know it's important. You in in you know considering everything that's happening and the chaotic situation of the world we live in and that, uh, you know, everything can change pretty quickly. And I think we've all had, uh, uh, you know, proof of that. And I was in a jurisdiction, very large one that I, you know, I never thought they would go that far. And, uh, whether you pick Andorra or, or anywhere else, think about where you are physically and how you can, how you can get out of here because think about where I was. I was on a territory where in the north was basically a frozen ocean. In the east was an ocean at five degrees and thousands of kilometers to cross. And in the west, same thing, five degree ocean, the biggest in the world. And in the south, uh, <laughs> The, the country <laughs> that is uh, probably uh, the toughest to get into. So think about the Canadians that are trapped in their own country at the moment. And there is no way physically to escape. In Andorra, if the Andorran government goes crazy, there are two roads. Okay, maybe they can prevent me from driving out. But I take my backpack and I take a hike and I go either in Spain or in France. And from there, I go anywhere in Europe. So, and you, have, uh, and you have ocean, no? no? Andorra, you don't have any ocean, but uh, you can, you know, you can hike your way out. In Canada, you don't hike your way out. I mean, there are four months where you can't even hike your way out because you literally freeze if you don't get caught by the U.S. customs. And uh, if you want to swim or sail, good luck. I can really relate to this, by the way, because in Vietnam. You can't really sail out of Vietnam. It's not cold water, but 
the coast, along the coast, the Chinese, uh, there's this ongoing uh, silent battle between the Chinese Coast Guard, uh, the Vietnamese Coast Guard and the Chinese army that has, uh, yeah, they, they have a heavy military presence. So you basically don't, you don't take your sailboat and you just sail out in, into the ocean. <laughs> it's not a great idea. Alberto. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say that uh, yeah, during, the, during the Spanish Civil War, in 1936, um, people people hiked their way out of uh, Spain into Andorra. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's something you can do. Uh, in 1936, uh, the equipment you you could have uh, is, wasn't as uh, as professional as the one you can have at the moment. So, so yeah, you can definitely hike your way out of here. Out of here. <laughs> uh, A long so, tradition, yeah. Paul. Sorry, Lucas, I interrupted you, uh, and I was uh, nothing very interesting to, <laughs> to say. I was just going to say we also have uh, 310 days of sunny blue sky uh, every every year, and uh, that's uh, that's something that just uh, makes your life so much better when you just uh, open the windows, look up at the sky. It's blue, and it's it will be blue tomorrow. It will be blue the day after. And you will have some sun. That's uh, that's something that uh, coming from uh, Paris, where you have uh, always the gray sky above your head, uh, is something that really changed uh, really changed my life and improved my uh, my quality of uh, of life uh, on a on a daily basis. It's uh, something small, but uh, that matters a uh, big time uh, for your happiness. Oh yeah, coming straight out of Ho Chi Minh City with a gray sky. I love Ho Chi Minh City, but oh my God, the air is terrible. It's hard to breathe. Hey guys, this has been really awesome. I really Thank love you very this much, conversation. Thank you for organizing this. You've been awesome as well. Boom. And I hope uh, to visit Andorra and meet you guys in person and uh, snowboard if you guys snowboard. I, I do ski, but it's okay. We can hang out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, do, I, I, I snowboard. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, the good old days of uh, skiing versus snowboarding, I think, are over. Nowadays, people just uh, uh, actually hang out across the borders. And um, yeah, with that, short about Global Bitcoin Fest. We're a group of plebs. We love to listen to conversations like this and the locals sharing their stories about Bitcoin in their country and sharing about their country. The whole idea is that you can listen to one of these spaces live or recorded, and then you can check who was speaking. And then you ping them and say, hey, I'm coming to Andorra, I'm moving to Andorra, I'm investing in Andorra, whatever, I'm doing something with Andorra, I'm planning to do something with Andorra. Hey, can you help me? Can you connect me with the right people? And this way we're building out the connections across the world Bitcoin communities connect. Quite often we have other community participants jumping in to the space, asking a question or two and uh, connecting. So that's what we'd love to see. And we had Alexandra from Zimbabwe asking a couple of questions to the guys from Andorra. And with that, we wrap up. Thank you very much, guys. This is awesome. Thank you, Lucas. Take care of yourself and your family. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
Bye-bye. See you on the right. Bye. Yay. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Bye. Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide.